So what's your podcast about? Superheroes. It's a little geeky, but I think you guys are going to like it. Try not to be too geeky. No, I can't promise that. Should we begin? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. And now, your hosts, Kelsey Dickerson, Brad Fay, Kate Fay, and Noah Berlin. Hold on to your butts. Welcome to the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. Noah, Brad, Kate, and Kelsey back with you. And the team is fully back at full strength. And you knew we had to do it for episode nine. Because when it comes to a Game of Thrones penultimate episode, you know sparks are going to fly. And we're here to talk about it with you. So this one definitely didn't uh, disappoint. The showrunner said in the after the episode segment that they wanted to make this one feel like a Alfred Hitchcock-esque suspense. And I think that that uh, was successful. I felt that throughout the course of the episode. But for this episode here today on the podcast, we have the MVPs, we've got the LVPs, we're talking cringe moments and much more. But make sure to keep the conversation going with us by leaving your thoughts down in the comments section and follow us on social media as well. As always, here's a spoiler warning. We're going to be talking about episode nine and giving our thoughts, our hot takes, our predictions. So if you haven't watched the episode yet, you'll probably want to do that. But let's do it. Y'all ready? Let's do it. The action on this episode was confined to King's Landing for the whole time, right? We had the Hightower and Targaryen faction of characters on prominent display. No Daemon, no Rhaenyra, no Strong Boys. They were nowhere to be seen in this one. And the title (laughs) of the episode was The Green Council, which was pretty appropriate for what we saw take place in the events of the episode. So let's start with the big winners of The Green Council. Kelsey. Who do you have as your MVP for this episode? Yes. So I do have two MVPs, but my number one, I think could be an MVP or an LVP, which you guys talked about in the last podcast Mm. makes the great show and makes a great character. Um, But in this episode specifically, I have the queen that never was princess Renice. Um, she's basically woken up in the middle of the night or very early day. It doesn't know what's going on because she's locked in, um, has a really great conversation with queen Allison where she stays true to herself and stays true to princess Rhaenyra, which I think is also very interesting knowing the background between her and princess Rhaenyra as well. You know, when they had that conversation, when the princess was younger, um, and was first named heir. So you just see a lot of different things of her being true to herself, being true to her word, true to her house. And I think it was really absolutely awesome. Obviously, that scene is probably going to be the scene that we talk about. But she also has opportunity to really end things almost. Uh, But we see that a lot in Game of Thrones. It's very Game of Thrones-esque of one little thing could happen and there's going to be peace and happiness, but we don't do that in House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones. So I would have her as my number one MVP. Well, I have a question for you based on that. And yeah, I agree. Rhaenys was also one of my two MVPs too. But my question is, do you think that she is loyal to Rhaenyra? I mean, how do you think she feels about Rainier? Because I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think she might just realize like maybe her bread is buttered one way or she feels like she should be on one side for whatever reason. But I don't really feel like it's a loyalty to Rainier per se. Well, when I say loyalty to Rhaenyra, it's obviously a lot more 
complex, right? Just like everything is um, in this world and these decisions that people make. I think it's a combination of she's trying to respect what her husband wanted. Um, he was very steadfast in um, being like, you know, with King Viserys and just like really like holding them. And since Damon was with Rhaenyra, I think that is like very um, convoluted. Also, she was saying that, you know, her house's words are not fickle. So she stands behind, like they make a decision as a family and they stand behind it. And two, um, as we see with my other MVP, Eric, not to be confused with Eric, um, (laughs) uh, you know, I think it's also choosing the lesser of two evils almost, um, not to say that princess Rhaenyra is evil, but in her mind, obviously I think she knows and thinks that she should have been the queen all along. So, but that's out of her hands. So, I mean, fucking you take one look at Prince Aegon's ancestral ass and you're like, no, like he should not like the second that that one soldier was like, wait, he's been up to he's been doing what? Where? (laughs) How long? He was like, fuck this. And that was within like 15 minutes of searching Fleet Bottom. And he's like, (laughs) what the fuck is going on? So obviously, uh, every uh, people know their secrets, uh, their deepest, darkest secrets the most in your own family. So I'm sure she knew what was going on. Um, just like Queen Alicent does as well. So for me, that's what I think for me, but I guess you could mince words either way. Okay, well, Kate, based on your background for tonight's episode, uh, it seems like Rainice might be your MVP too. Is that the case? Yes, for sure. No LVP here. She is my MVP. I get why some people might be mad at her, right? Like she could have just parsed everybody there at the end. Um, but for me, I she's been such an observer of things like this whole season. Um, so it was cool to actually see her do something and really get involved. And like Kelsey said, I agree. Like the conversation with her and Allison was awesome. It was really good. She burned Allison with that one quote, uh, which I do have, I can pull that up really quick. Um, but that was amazing. And I really feel like in that conversation, Allison kind of, um, sealed her fate on which way Rainice was going to go and stay loyal because, she says like, Hey, like you should have been the queen, you know, trying to appeal to her a little bit. And it's the same exact thing that's happening here because she was the firstborn. She got Passover because she's a woman. That's kind of what is the deal with Rhaenyra, right? Like she's getting Passover because she's a woman and you know, other reasons in Allison's mind. But so I thought that that kind of sealed her fate. And she's like, you, like, you are not, this is not it. Like I am with Rhaenyra I'm getting out of here. I'm going to let her know. So I was a big fan of her this episode. And I also have just my honorary mentions are everybody else that stayed loyal to team black. And that's Lord Beesbury, RIP, Lord Commander Westerly, House Fell, the Lord who got hanged. I don't have his name, Sir Eric and Missaria, who also advocated to shut down the kids fight club, which is great. That'd be Alan Caswell, who the, the bald guy who was the Thank coward you. and ended up getting got anyway. Yep. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> yeah. let's wait 15 minutes for Brad to look up the IMDb of every film that he's been in really quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it right here. <laughs> yeah. So um the the scene was really interesting, I think. And I'm I'm really on the fence, uh, based on what we're talking about with where Rainice kind of lies in terms of her allegiances. And I feel like it's more just to herself. Uh, and, but I think that she, you know, when she realized she was a prisoner, she was big mad. 
She was big mad. And when, uh, and she's really smart. So when Allison came in and she's talking, just like you said, Kate, and she's talking like, you know, you, we all know you should have been the, the rifle. Like she easily sees through that. And I think that as we talked about now in multiple episodes, where the heart of the conflict between Rhaenyra and Allison is just about kind of the women's role within the patriarchy and how each of them have different play by different rules and they kind of act differently within that, which leads to this conflict. And I think no one is more like Rhaenys in this regard than Rhaenyra. And I think that's the only thing that she likes about Rhaenyra. I don't think she likes Rhaenyra even other than that fact that she doesn't conform to this patriarchal um, structure. And, and she said, she's like, you know, Allison, she said, you're, you're smarter than I give you credit for. You're smarter than I thought you were, but you still play by the rules of men. And she said, quote, you desire not to be free, but to build a window in your prison. And like, that's just a pretty dope quote. And it kind of shut up uh, Allison right there in her tracks. Which, go, which you remind me, you guys talking about that, um, about that conversation between Queen Allison and Princess Renice. You know how when Renice says, haven't you ever imagined yourself on the Iron Throne? Why do you think she says that? She says it because she had the opportunity if she's going to usurp the throne and she did it obviously on behalf of Aegon but it, nothing is crazier than the time when a king first dies because anything can truly happen anyone could come in and take it if they have the will and the strength and the backing for it right and so if she wanted it she probably could have taken it herself I just had a, a revelation which I don't know if it's actually a revelation or if this is stupid or everyone you guys already have known this but do you think that is when it clicks, like, you know, having that conversation and then it clicks in, in Allison's mind to be like, oh shit. That's when she's like, I need to be the first one to get to Aegon. So then I, like you guys met, I mean, you guys already mentioned it like before them, like, you know, trying to get to Aegon first, but when she's like, oh shit, like I can't just let my dad get to him first. I have to get to him so that I'm kind of like pulling the strings and that's when it clicks for her. And that's why queen Rhaenyra says, or, or princess Rhaenys says that. Cause she's like, cause she knows that Aegon is not going to be a good ruler. Like, so whoever is in his ear is going to be the ruler. I don't think that ne that was necessarily about that. I think she's just really showing Alicent that like, yeah, you think you're smart. You think you're doing the right thing, but you know, you're still living in this world of men and their rules and, you know, and you don't have the courage to take it for yourself. And and I think she looks down on her for that. And that's the one thing, again, that she respects Rhaenyra for having the courage and the will to do is to be that queen herself and to smash that patriarchy, uh, if you will. So I don't think she's necessarily talking about Aegon at all in that situation. But I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I don't think she meant that much into it. I think she was just kind of like what you said, Noah, like, her whole thing was talking about the men's role and how she has been passed over for these men, even though like the women are clearly, they would be better rulers. I think mm. I yeah. get that. But like, but without having that conversation without princess Renice saying all that stuff, I don't think Allison would have been like battling her dad basically to try to find Aegon first. I think she still would have because she was so hell-bent on not killing Rhaenyra and Damon, and she knew her dad wanted that. And yeah, like, I mean, let, let's mm -hmm. let's talk about Allison real quick, mm -hmm. too, because she she was kind of bamboozled here to start this episode. And, and to be honest, I was shocked at 
how much she was broken up about the death of Viserys. I thought she'd kind of be like, all right, get out of here, you skeleton ass, fucking decrepit motherfucker, right? But she was really sad and mourning this guy. And she's broken up about it. And when she goes to this meeting at the small council, she she sits down thinking that, okay, now we're going to break this news to everybody and we'll have to pick up the pieces and figure out how we're going to proceed. And then she finds out that everyone's basically been conspiring behind her back and making these plans. And she's outraged about it. I mean, she's not she's not here for this whole coup that they want to have. And she she uh, claps back at uh at the one guy where she, I think it was the maester, grand maester. And she's like, one more word, I'll kick you, say one more word, I'll kick you out of this chamber and send you to the wall kind of thing. Like she was uh, taken aback by this. And there was friction between her and Otto from that very moment. So I think the whole episode, they were kind of playing this game of who is going to get in Aegon's ear first and try to, you know, manipulate him or, or influence him the way that they wanted. Yeah, I that was super... Sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, I, I really could see it either way. I could see what Kelsey's talking about of that's when she was like, oh, this is important that I be the person, you know, the right hand, quote unquote, man, you know, here and not my dad. But like you guys also said, maybe that race was already going on in her mind like a little bit earlier. I really could see it either way. It's, it's tough when you're not, you know, when you're reading it, you get to get inside the character's head and kind of know what they're thinking. Like all we can do is like speculate, especially like you guys were talking about uh, with Renice, like, well, is she really loyal? Like, is she doing what's best for herself? And I'm like, she was a character locked in a room the whole episode. Like, we never got to get inside her head or see her having a discussion with anybody. Like, and that's what makes it so hard and makes it where all we could do is like speculate. Hmm. Well, yeah, well, I think that's what's going to be so pivotal, obviously, in the next episode. But also, um, with Allison, do you think going back to you know, her being broken up about King Viserys. I think she had a certain type of love for him. I mean, he's literally the only guy that's been in her life, except for her dad that has really had probably like a huge impact and wasn't, you know, like, wasn't just like someone that was working for her or whatever, like they were doing stuff for each other. Um, father of her children and all this stuff, but obviously her number one motivator it seems is being a mother do you think she understood the gravity and finally after 20 years of you know her dad saying this is what's going to happen you have to protect Aegon you have to protect your kin otherwise you know it's going to be divided they're going to have to kill each other whatever do you think she it was like okay the moment is finally here and because she sheds like a tear for a lit like she does like she's at first she's like very like okay she's sad but within like five seconds it seems she's like all right like she's like got it locked in and she's ready and now she's like doing all this shit trying to find Aegon first and doing all these things talking to all these people maybe it just comes from a motherly love or protection I don't know if she loves her children but protection at least (laughs) I mean yeah I I just didn't get that I thought that in the first season the whole small council she's super sad about it and then they show another scene again where she's like mourning with his corpse right there and that was real nasty like I didn't expect her to be there whereas the silent sisters were like cleaning the gross eye socket like and she was in there crying over him so I, I thought that the whole time she was super broken up about it uh, yeah I, I think her number one motive is performing her duty whatever that might be mm-hmm. you know like you know to look what Kelsey's saying of like oh she wants to be a mother I don't think she wants to be a mother like remember when she took that slight when 
you know, girls like, oh, I don't want to just be some woman popping out kids. Like, you know, Allison kind of was like, oh, damn, that's my life. Like, I, I think she doesn't really know what she wants. I think she knows what's expected of her and what's expected of other women and wants them to perform that. And I think that that's exactly what you said is at the core of the difference and the disagreement between Rhaenyra and Allison, where Allison is not her own human being. She's a person that right. exists to do her duty and to whether that's either as a wife or a, a mother or, or whatever that might be. And that's why Rhaenys in the scene we've been talking about is almost calling her a coward of just being yeah. like, you know, have you thought about yourself on the Iron Throne? Probably not. Right. Because you you don't even have that foresight to be able to to see yourself yeah. there. What do I want? Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, Allison is my main MVP of the episode, and, and for the reason that she both got what she wanted and managed to come off as sympathetic in this episode. And and maybe I was the only one, but I really liked her. I mean, it, it, they showed how outraged she was at even the prospect of killing Rhaenyra and her kids and Damon. She wanted to do things the right way. Um, she went up against her dad. And then I just like, I was kind of rooting for, I mean, granted, the only side we see in this episode is the greens, right? So, so you have to root for someone, I guess. And But I mean, I was rooting for her sort of in this episode. Uh, and so I thought she was a little sympathetic, but she beat her dad at the game of finding, finding Aegon and, and getting that. There was a funny moment where Aegon's like, do you love me? And she's like, you imbecile. <laughs> like That was great. Um, but, and she said to her dad, she's like, I have Aegon. We'll proceed now as I see fit. We'll send terms to Rhaenyra. So anyway, Allison was my main MVP. But Brad, you haven't said your MVP yet. Where do you land on this whole thing? I mean, you know, my MVP, kind of what Kate said, you know, I just want to give a shout out to all the real ones out there. The the Lord Beesberries of the world and the Sir Harold Westerlings and all those who stood their ground damn the consequences it was good to see you know those you know it's easy in those moments and you always wonder like well what would i do in that situation like you know i've got these people like looking down on me right now like are you gonna bend the knee like do i really want to be loyal to the people who aren't here so it's always cool to see those characters and those who are willing to kind of step up and the other mvp i had i had uh you know ramin jawadi um kind of just setting that tone like right from the beginning like the score I mean the music's been great all season you'd expect nothing less but man like was is there a single person they could have brought over to Game of Thrones that you know from a production side of things that's more important than him and <laughs> kind of continuing that we know when something crazy is about to happen it's not someone who has to score like he would have scored or oh what would he have done like to set the pace like we always know as an audience and they use that to our you know, sometimes they manipulate with us too. It seemed like this whole episode was like, oh, something's about to go down and like, oh, we'd have like a little chill. Like they were, you know, that it was that kind of like that light, the, you know, what is it? The light of the seven music, like right from the beginning was kind of, you know, the kids like walking down the tunnels. I'm like, oh man, some crazy, it's episode nine. Like they know what we're thinking and use that to their advantage all the time. That's a really good point. Best scene. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, yeah, you're right about him for sure. The music was, it, you're right, it's been good the whole season, but this episode, I think it really stepped up and the whole, it was just so intense the entire episode long and it really just set the tone for for the themes of the whole episode. So I thought it was great. And Lord Lyman Beesbury, let, let's just talk about him real quick. R.I.P. <laughs> he goes, this is seizure. This is theft. This is treason. It's like, all right, man. He's like, he's 
he's a real one, as you said. But first <laughs> off, Lyman Beesbury is a very everybody loves Raymond ass name. First yeah, of all, yeah. <laughs> that is a <laughs> what is that name? Lyman Beesbury. Uh, but, but also, like, man, he he honorable, but Sir Kristen got like, what the fuck is wrong with Sir, Sir Kristen? Is a psycho too. He's yeah. already gotten away with murder multiple times now. And okay, that's the, a good point. We haven't really talked about that. There has been no consequences yeah. for him just murdering people in public, like important people. Like, if he's the doing guy it. said, oh, sorry. No, no, I guess that's right. I mean, I guess that wasn't the Queen's order. I was about to say, like, you know, if he's doing it, but yeah, you guys are right. Like, I, I didn't really think about it. He's never been doing it because he was given the order to do it. No. And the commander oh, is yeah. like, take off your cloak, give me your sword, and he doesn't. And then he just kind of just like, all right, I guess we're just all going to stand here. And then he finally takes off his own and is like, oh, I'm going to leave, which I thought he's going to get got too. But yeah, too. yes, he way, just. There is no way a cloak comes off that easily. He pulled off that cloak. I'm like, man, everything takes like 20 minutes to get off in that armor. Like, he like pushed a button in the back of his suit and the cloak just came right off. Ejector ejector cloak. Yeah, I was like, that would have been a way more awkward. Like, give me five minutes. I'm going to remove my cloak right now. Hold on, just one more button and I will slam this cloak down on the table. And then he just like bundled it up like a fucking sheet. But especially after the hour long sex scene for talking about Sir Kristen and Rhaenyra when like they were younger, like them taking off all this stuff took him literally the whole episode. So there's no way. Yeah, he there some bunch of been flying or something. That's he sucks so bad. And but his yeah. quote about like, well, we respect women. Like you treat them like the mother or whatever. Treat them with respect. Oh. It's like you were just calling Rhaenyra. I see you next Tuesday in like two episodes. Yep, true story. Good point. Yeah, he, that that whole part of him wandering through the streets uh, with Aemon was just weird, and like his outfit was just very funny to me. <laughs> the hat but, was so bad. It's like everyone, there, no one has any costumes in this. They just, everyone's wears hoods, everyone, right? But he had a whole like separate outfit. Like he went and raided some like other closet. <laughs> like, where'd he get that? It was like, I've never seen that hat before. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's so good, man. Like costume people are like geniuses though. Like they know how to make us like this. Like I always remember when I used to be like a big WWE fan and it'd be like a wrestler I liked. And all of a sudden, like one time he'd come out, you know, in like a corny outfit. I'm like, oh, man, they're definitely going to make this person a heel right now. <laughs> like, why is he coming out in a suit and pink shorts? Like, he's definitely so they know how to like push your buttons and be like, let's give him a stupid outfit that will make the audience hate him even more. Yeah. Yeah. But- it almost like, yeah, that pairing between uh, Sir Kristen and Almond was... <laughs> just seems like a forced interaction to be able to let Almond say that he wants to be king and that he's fit for it. And that for Sir Kristen to be like, well, some people have been, you know, some people have been given stuff that you want. And he's like, obviously talking about Rhaenyra probably still because he can't get over it. But like, it just seems, yeah, very weird and forced interaction. And I think it was just a pairing of like convenience. Also, it was weird how he kept calling him Cole. And I had to like think for a second of, like who is he talking about? I'm like, oh yeah, Kristen Cole. But like, no oh. one has called him that at any yeah. point. Right. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, multiple times he called him that. 
Yeah. Cole needs me because Aegon is uh, a deviant. I don't know. Whatever he said. I don't know. Maybe they're <laughs> don't know. and we didn't know. Uh, well, speaking of deviants and weirdos, uh, <laughs> let's transition to the LVPs of this episode. Uh, Brad, why don't we stick with you here? Who did you have the LVP of, uh, of the Green Council? Once again, I am going to be the outsider of the group. And I had a hands down. Rhaenys Targaryen is the LVP. Wow. Like... What are you doing? You literally had them all standing right there in one spot. And instead you choose to go off and warn the people, warn people about the problem you could have just solved. Like, why are you bound? Like, if you know this is a threat to the point that you need to go warn other people about them, why didn't you just solve that problem? Like right when you could have, like, I did not get, I mean, you know, maybe we'll get to hear her motivation later. But I cannot think of a single justification of like, oh, this I couldn't do that to a child. Like, come on, you know that kid is like wild, man. Like, get at it. Like, I'm really trying to think of a good justification that I could be like, oh, I'm like, what you had a talk with Allison and she's smarter than you thought. So you decided not to burn all these people. Like, I really want to hear her explain like what her justification. And I'm wondering if like Damon will call her out on that. Like the showrunners, like, and the writers have to have her explain what her thinking was. So I'm sure Damon's going to be like, so why didn't you just do this when you could have? And she'll well, have like, to some explanation. I doubt that's ever going to come up. She's probably just going to say what happened and that she escaped and went out. Yeah, like they're true. not going to, she's not going to be like, oh, by the way, and I could have killed them all, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, okay, that's a good point. Maybe it won't be. <laughs> I bad. agree with that, Kelsey. No, that's a good point. But I'm sure her and Allison down the line will maybe have another encounter. And Allison will be like, you could have ended this all. Why didn't you? Like, they've got to give her an opportunity. Like, why didn't she? Like. maybe she doesn't want to murder people maybe she's not a murderer because she knows they're so bad (laughs) that she needs to go warn other people about what they're about to do so why would you just fix the problem the only thing that i can think is that she truly just doesn't think it's her problem like she's not necessarily on rainier's side where she's like oh our side could have won we could have killed the other side she's just doing her own she's just trying to get the hell out of there with her dragon and she will warn them that they're all going to come to try to murder you but like then she might stay out of it like i don't know if she's going to be on the front lines fighting alongside rainier and all them because it seems like she just wants to do her own thing i mean she got to know her grandchildren are in danger this way like Everything you're not wrong I can't think of a single reason why you would have that hesitation to be like don't you want what's best for your grandchildren like I, I, mean, I need something good like I wish Allison would have been holding a baby or something where I'm like ah she probably didn't want to birth like <laughs> I'm like yo like, fuck all those people I was like Otto <laughs> you could have got them all in like one swift motion and been out like it wasn't like, well, she would have been killing a lot of civilians that were up there. Like she I already did that. <laughs> she yeah, yeah, right. Civilians. It's so true. I gave no there. fucks about it either. <laughs> no, hell no. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was shouting Dracaris at the screen. Like I did want her to do that. So. so question for the three of you. Did you think when the dragon is roaring in their faces? And then it's st- like, because I thought she's going to bust through and then fly away. I thought she was just going to be out. But but she t- turned around. The dragon was right in the faces of all those people. Did you think for a moment that she was going to yes. Dracarys? Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was going to be like a red wedding. I thought that whole family was going to be wiped out. And then we're going to be like, oh, maybe that's what the show's not about. And maybe like Corliss and her team up 
And then that's, you know, the Dance with the Dragons is them against, like, you know, Damon and, and something like that. I was like, oh, they're about to wipe out all of them. And all these characters that we just spent all season watching are going to be out of contention. What, what about you, Kelsey? Yeah, I mean, I definitely thought there was opportunity for it because why? Like, you know what I mean? And I obviously, that was probably a production choice to make you feel like he's like getting all his breath so that he can do a big Dracarys. But... Is, is that what that was, what you were just doing? <laughs> he had a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> and if people, if you're not watching on YouTube, I highly recommend you watch us on YouTube for oh, a look, lot of reasons. That being one of them. Reason? What is going on? <laughs> oh yeah, my internet froze again. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but then I got to thinking. I feel like we've already addressed this before, so I apologize if I can't remember. But aren't Targaryens immune to fire? So, so I also had that question. So maybe she thought she was going to do it and just piss a bunch of people off, anyways, and it wouldn't actually kill the people. Like obviously, it would kill the High Towers which would be a star because the kids don't want this. I mean, Almond does, but like, maybe she'd be like, well, maybe I'm just going to like, I'm not going to murk all of them. So. Yeah. So gonna- we were talking about this when we watched tonight as well. And I think that it's not necessarily the case for all Targaryens. I think it's kind of a special thing because if you remember in season one of game of Thrones, uh, Viserys, who was the asshole brother of Daenerys, like he did get burned by fire. And obviously then he died because of the, the melted gold or whatever, but Daenerys was obviously resistant to it. She was fine multiple times being in the fire, but it was not a thing that everybody and every Targaryen uh, had that that trait. So I don't really know how that works. Uh, honestly, it seems like whatever the directors want to do. But yeah, I, I don't think know. It's like a badass thing. I think it's like the real, like a, a badass Targaryen. Like, like if Targaryen, you're worthy kind of thing? Like, my brother was not a dragon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but what about Lena? Like, she was cool and she got, got, yeah, she had the biggest dragon think, that we know of so far. I don't mean cool. I mean, more of like, you're, you're like destined to like, you know, be like a leader or something like that. You know, like you, you are meant to be a good ruler or not even meant to be, but like have the potential, like Daenerys's brother sure as shit wasn't going to be he was a little weasel he was going around behind people's back like he wasn't like a badass targaryen like a daemon would be or someone like that like that was so really like if you're problem. worthy kind of thing yeah exactly okay. so i think the dragon, maybe i think that those are the people i can like daenerys was like stepping into the hot water she like wasn't phased about it she started noticing all these things like oh wait like all these things like didn't affect me my brother got killed like I must have something special within me. And I think that's when she kind of became her own like believer. Yeah, it was the hot water. It was um, that the eggs were in the fire and she just grabbed them and they, they weren't hot on her. But then the handmaiden comes in and touches them and burns herself. Yeah. So yeah, a few moments before she actually went onto that funeral pyre, pyre at the end of the season. But uh, all right. So Kate, what about you? Who was your LVP? I know it was not Rainier or Rainis. So who was your LVP? Uh, literally everyone else in the episode, (laughs) (laughs) but, but specifically Kristen Cole, because he's just terrible. He's terrible. Otto and Allison, um, just cause they're like super team green. And I hate that. Oh, and Laris, because he's a sick fuck. (laughs) Yeah. We we, got to talk about that. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. 
Cal's questions. I wanted to text you guys about that so bad. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, no, yeah, I agree. There was a lot of LVPs for me. Brad, you hit it on the head with Princess Renice and all the reasons that you said. That's why she was my shared MVP LVP. But I would say Eric with an A for sure. Uh, the twin, even though they both were hot, I apologize, but one of them is a little bit more badass than the other. So Eric with an A was a little bitch. Um, Eric <laughs> with an E was great. Um, but also, I mean, you could take this multiple ways, but for me, a huge LVP and you just knew this was going to happen and it just makes you so mad, but Aegon, because he's sitting there the whole time trying to run away with the white worm who also is an LVP. And so is her accent, whatever the fuck mm-hmm. it is. And then he's just sitting there. And then the second, you know, you have all this pomp and circumstance, he's getting all this respect, all these people. And you just know, he is that narcissistic, malevolent, disgusting type of person that this power immediately goes to his head. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm the King. And you just know things are going to be so fucked from here on out. And that is the, that was the turning point for me. It wasn't Otto Hightower. It wasn't Allison like running around. It wasn't like the council all, you know, being uh, sneaky about things. It wasn't Almond wanting to be King. It was that moment that was very Joffrey-esque and very. Uh, totally Joffrey yes. vibes. You're right. Yeah. Totally yeah. Joffrey yeah. vibes. And I knew that was coming too. I told Kate the second they started like cheering and he kind of like got that spark in her eyes, in his eyes. I was like, yo, he's five seconds from running up and down the stage. Like, whoop, whoop, whoop. I can't hear you. Like, I was like, he is. You're like a Hulk, like a Hulk Hogan. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I was like, he all of a sudden just turned the 180 from I don't want this to like, yo, I am all about this. You know how bad I wanted that when they were putting the crown on him? I just wanted it to like go over his face. Oh, like, I, was, I was like, that crown's not going to fit him. That was the conqueror's crown. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that would have been amazing. Uh, well, so first of all, Aegon with his like, I don't know, like his eyes, it's all like red around his eyes. Like he looks like just super emo. He looks like uh, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. It's like exactly what he looked from the Black Parade. That's what he looks like uh with with uh, robert pattinson in the batman and yeah. he got in this just like 2022 is just the, the year of emo i i think uh but the scene where Kristen and uh amond are walking around looking for Aegon, and they go to the whorehouse or whatever and um Aegon or Aemon's like yeah he brought me here when i was a kid once he just he wanted he said he wanted me to be as experienced as he was and it's so like he said that he's like well no he said it's time to get it wet i'm like god damn it's time to get it wet Aegon. like what what society are we living Awful. in westeros here dude they're just going to flea bottom and being scumbags but which damn. by the way that lady was like what's up been a while it's like you've grown <laughs> hey uh, <laughs> oh goodness he just like looks at her with his eye like totally and not blinking again he went the whole episode without blinking i don't know how he does it it's he's 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 wild Uh, it reminds me of you know that scene in um in bridesmaids where in the beginning where they're talking and they're like doing this where they like do the one eye thing looking at (laughs) 
Tate knows what I'm talking about, but that's yeah. every time you talk about Almond not blinking, uh, it reminds me of when Kristen Wiig is doing that. And if you don't know what scene I'm talking about, go rewatch Bridesmaids because it's a good movie. I don't, I don't remember that scene though. I'm sorry. I want to be with you on this, but I I, I don't got it. Um, <laughs> well, I think that a lot of what Aegon did uh, is definitely cringeworthy. Um, whether it was a specific moment like time to get it wet, or uh, or just him in general, uh, but. Let's go with you, Kelsey. What was your cringe moment from this episode? Um, hmm. I didn't necessarily have a moment. I guess some interactions and people were just cringe throughout. But I'll say that my cringe moment, if I had to pick one, is going to be between Aegon and Alicent while they're riding to his ceremony, I guess you could his say. Coronation. Um, coronation thank you i almost said like an inauguration and that's not right um similar <laughs> we have an election coming up folks register to vote um <laughs> but yeah i would just say that whole interaction of him being like well dad didn't love me and like you don't even love me and he never said that he had 20 years which is all he was making such valid points yeah, he's right was, he was right <laughs> he was right in all that and he was like yo he could have done all this stuff 20 years he didn't he didn't even like me I don't think he even loved me um which Queen Allison does not bat down any of those accusations which is hilarious but because they don't lie to children in this show they don't lie to kids which I think that's the number one that's the number one thing that we should learn is that you should always lie to kids um but (laughs) it's for the good of the realm you guys the seven kingdoms we need to protect them um but like she opens the thing and the daggers in there which they don't even understand the whole significance behind it because they're not true Targaryens. And I doubt King Viserys told him otherwise Queen Allison wouldn't have, have had that misunderstanding. And then him being like, do you love me? And she's like, you imbecile. And I'm like, oh, it's just, okay, get out of here. Like we get it. It's just one of those really like whatever moments to me. I didn't appreciate it. Okay. What about you, Kate? Did you have a, a different cringe moment? Um, I just thought it was a little cringy, like the whole like Miss Saria and Otto mm. interaction, because like he had already kind of interacted. I don't think he knew it was like her, but like, I don't know. He had kind of already interacted with the white worm and it's like weird. I don't. And then her whole thing was like, I want you to stop the kids fighting club. And, like, <laughs> yeah, I like- don't know. I just thought that was like a really weird like motivation for her. Like, yeah. we just found out that existed five right. minutes ago. Right. Yeah. It was just like, I don't know. The whole thing was just, it seemed really forced, I guess. I don't know. And also, I mean, as we see, but maybe she should have known having interacted with him this whole time. Otto's going to do whatever he can. He already has all, like, basically all the handmaidens and all the staff of the, of the tower locked away. He's killing lords left and right. He doesn't care who dies. He wants Rhaenyra and all of her kin and brother to die. Like, so what's going to stop him? Why is just like a bag of gold? Why does she think that's going to do anything? She should have, I don't know. She should have never said that she had all, or had Aegon in the first place. I think anything's going to come back to bite her in the butt. Oh, wait, no, it does. They light fire yeah, to her thing. Her I, I was uh, one, I was wondering what that was. I couldn't, I, I was going to ask you guys who that was that lit the fire and where, where that was. I didn't catch that, but that does make a lot of sense that that was her area. Which yeah. was she in Lord Laris, I think. Yeah. Lord Laris again is like going off to kill people. 
Yeah, I mean, not him, but like sending people. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, to me, the cringe moment, there was a few really, but the cringe moment was obvious. And it was the scene with Laris and Alicent. And, and that one really caught me off guard. I just did not see it going the way that I thought it did. She walks into her bed chambers, right? And he's just there in her room. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, he, this, she's the queen. You can't just hang out in a room. Like, there's no one guarding this. Uh, and then all of a sudden they start talking and whatever he says, there's a web of spies in the Red Keep. And the king knew about this, found it advantageous to pay the weaver. And I didn't understand exactly who, like, is he the, I wasn't sure exactly what he was talking about. And then she just keeps taking off her shoes and then her socks. And then he just starts jaying it. Like, I didn't, I couldn't believe we were seeing that. And, and like, it's obvious that like, he's providing the service for her and she is paying for those services with a login to her OnlyFans feed page. Like that is how she's, she, she's paying them. And he, he just started, he, uh, man, I couldn't believe that. Did it's that. So, it's so funny. Cause it seems like, I mean, obviously, okay. It makes sense because they obviously panned in on his club foot purposely while he's like walking and it makes sense of maybe why he has a fetish for that because maybe it's something that he wants or whatever his life could have been. Is that how it works? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. We don't kink shame here, first of all, but to your point, you know, a few episodes ago where he's like, I'm going to call on you for a favor for an exchange of all this stuff. And he thinks it's going to be some like crazy shit of like, well, he ended up killing his own family anyway. So that wasn't the favor that he needed. Like, you know, all these things that you think that he's going to cash in on. Like a get out of jail free card or something. Yeah. 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 And it ends up being 20 years of the same fee over and over that he's just jacking off to. It doesn't even escalate to like the next like touching or like licking or fucking like, you know what I mean? Like Kelsey, Jesus. (laughs) You can fuck some feet. All right. It's possible. <laughs> we all just died a little inside. Well, we don't kink shame here on kicking your um, just lost its soul. I just, no. like, it's just oh, I agree with you though, Kelsey. Mouth. Okay, I agree with even... you in that, like it's a weird, like that's what he wants out of like all this, like playing the game and like he could have all this power and stuff. Like that is what you're wanting. And the way that she just kind of looks away when it's happening, like that leads you to believe this is a thing that has been going on for a while. And this is just how she deals with it by not looking and trying to pretend that she's not there going to her happy place or something. Okay. But, but also this someone... has been going on for 20 years. How, like, how were, how was she not just like, so in a different space? What do you like mean 20 like years? Crying every time. Huh? What do you mean 20 years? Where do you get 20 years from? How long has it been since he said that? Well, 20 years is from, like, when she was queen, right? Well, Aegon is 20 years old. So, I mean, this has not been going on since he was born. Okay, well, at least 10, at least, if not more. Uh, okay. Deca- okay, whatever. Years. This has definitely been going on for years. So, like, how is she still looking like this is the first time that it's happened? Like, don't you think you would have, like, gotten some kind of system down to be like, okay, like... <laughs> I'm going to read my book. I'm going to read the scripts or something. Well, she can't be like scrolling Twitter. <laughs> what, yeah. what is she going to do? I'm going to read my book. <laughs> I'm going to do, do a crossword puzzle. 
I don't know. She can be studying the scripture of the seven or whatever she wants oh to do. God. Not just looking away, crying after 10 years of this happening. She knows it's going to happen. He's in his bedchambers. I think someone even alludes to it. Like he's in your bedchambers late at night a lot. And she's like, whatever. Like, her dad, I thought. Yeah. Her dad. Yeah. Bro, and he's I, like, I, it could benefit you too. Like so creepy. He's like, you want to, you want to show me your feet too? Yeah. Otto's next. Next episode is going to be him whacking it to Otto's feet. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> just, Podcast has gone off the rails. Speaking of how enslaved and getting people to show him his feet. Speaking of uh, just how Game that. of Thrones, like, influences us in pop culture and whatever, it's funny because, like, terms and things that, that are just such commonplace in this show, when we talk about it, we think it's no big deal because we're used to it. We, we talk about the show. But if people don't watch it, like we throw around the word bastards, like very commonly, you know, and, and I was today, uh, well, I was having a conversation where I couldn't remember Masaria's name. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's the whore. There's the whore. I just kept saying whore. And I'm like, I need to relax with this. It a definitely little. brings out the worst in us. The show brings out the worst in us, 100%. Yeah, totally. um, We're the best. I have a question that I want someone to give me an answer to. Okay. I want to know how this foot thing developed. Like, Laris is very good at, like, kind of saying under my, like, things and not really getting the what he wants. Like, how did that, like, first happen? Like, was she, like, I've noticed you looking at my feet. Is this what you want? And took off her shoes. Did he one day just all of a sudden, like, really grow a pair and be like, yeah, I'll tell you what you want, but, like, aren't your feet tired after a long day? Like, I need to know how this developed. You can't just cut to a scene of this going on and not show me how this developed over the years. Like, did he touch himself the very first time? You probably walked in on him, like, sniffing her socks or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, I need some backstory. Like, I want a series to develop just on how this Oh, dude, you're a sick fuck for that. (laughs) (laughs) Bro. I just have quite, like, she's so high and mighty. And he's so weird and like never really says anything out front like i'm like how did we get to this where this is going on who knows but uh another another uh cringy thing i thought was some of the cgi in this episode i thought was actually kind of not great particularly there was a scene that was like an overhead shot of the city as the two groups were kind of walking through and it looked i mean it looked like a video game um it just it didn't look great and i was surprised because typically it's it's really good in uh in this that's in so show, funny so. there's a point where i literally thought that the fire in a fireplace was like cgi i'm like that fire looks fake as hell like so that's funny <laughs> that you brought that up i didn't really pay attention to the group shots but i believe it i think they're getting towards the end of the season and they're like we got dragons coming up we yeah we, we need to we need to blow our budget on that for sure for yeah. sure we can't afford real fire. Just <laughs> yeah, post. no money for, for propane or for uh, lighter fluid. Anywhere. Like we had to hire uh, Quentin Tarantino for this episode. Oh for me, so <laughs> I got that That's one. all our money went. Yeah. So just some other notes in the episode. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, the two twins that were in the King's guard, Sir Eric and Sir Arik. Um, and, and it was kind of cool seeing the two parties that were looking for egg on the city and all that. And obviously we see the difference of opinion between the two. And at the end, we will see one that is now team green and one that is team black. So I'm interested to see if 
whether it's later this season or later on in the series when these two meet back up if they end up having to fight each other and is that something they would do uh, who knows i don't know but when they see the the bastard boy with the the white hair the silver hair and it's eight you find it's Aegon's bastard and, and one of the twins is like yeah it's one of many i'd wager like god damn this guy is literally the worst <laughs> it was so sad he was so cute yeah and like what a weird little like snippet just to show like that yeah. was another like kind of like weird thing it's just he should have been fighting in the pit or something and be like oh like who's that little kid like fighting with his long nails and be like oh one of Aegon's bastards like it's weird just to have him over in a corner just to show just one yeah, what was he fight. doing in that corner I, exactly. I think he was like, up next. Yeah, I think he was on deck. No, oh, really? I don't think so. That was I the on deck circle. Thought, yeah, yeah, that's why he looked so scared. I thought they were like, "Yo, you're you're in the next round." I don't think so. I think he was too young, but I think it was just like a weird throwaway. And that's oh, why they had the kids fighting. There? Say that again. There were rules there. There's an age limit at the child fighting. Pitch. Well, they have to be safe. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> there's regulations. At 10 years old, you are a senior citizen. So that's yeah. what's happening. Um, no, yeah, I, I agree with that. Wait, what? Oh. I thought you guys brought up a good point with, um, I'm just going to call it the white worm. The, when the white worm, like, when she brings up, like, shut down the way children are being treated, like, for some reason, I think the writers were like, hey, the next time we see her again, because we don't know if she died in the fire or whatever, like odds are she got out and she's fine. I have a feeling they were like, hey, we need a reason to like make her likable. And they were like, oh man, what could we do? We already like filmed all of her stuff, you know, or whatever. And they were like, let's make her not want the child fighting pits anymore. That'll make the audience <laughs> love her immediately. It was like so out of left field. I'm like, yeah, I just what seems- is this your number one priority in life? Yeah. But also like they wanted Aegon to be even more weird. So like he's done with the whorehouses. He doesn't go to the whorehouses anymore. Now he just goes to the children fight. Is he betting on the children fighting? Like they said he hangs out there all the time. Like what, what is he doing there? Yeah, but that worked funny. for me though, because like that did work because I was like, dude, fuck this guy. So that did like achieve the effect. I'm not saying it didn't work, dude. but just like. Right, right. But but like with her saying that, I'm like, what? All of a sudden now I like you because I'm like, you you want children not to suffer out of nowhere? Like, that's why you arranged the kidnapping? This has been like a long thing that you planned out? Like, it was so like not set up right. Well, but also, also, I don't, was it a kidnapping? Because he was hiding. I, it seems like he was working with her. Yeah. Like she, she was just hiding out. him. Yeah. And she so she him basically out. like exposed where. Yeah, she she sold him out. Basically, gotcha. mm-hmm. yeah, but sure also too, that. also to your guys' point, and just adding to like the weirdness and like the forcedness, I thought of this was she had been in the hands, ear, and pocket, or like vice versa, like she was in his pocket or whatever for so long. She could have ended these things a long time ago just by being like, "Yo, I'm not going to feed you stuff like or whatever that you need to know unless you stop these child pits." things like it's true this is not her first time because yeah we saw it was when damon went with younger rhaenyra to the whorehouse and did that whole thing and like that was the first time we see the white worm and that she's spying and and get and passing information off to auto hightower so it's been a very long time for that she had probably if she's really that concerned with these child fighting bits you're exactly right kelsey like it just seems such a weird addition to bring in this episode (laughs) And like, I'm sorry, yes, 
if there was a real child child fighting pit in like our society right now, that would be terrible, especially if they're like doing growing out their nails like Wolverine or whatever. But like <laughs> in the world, like to your guys' point of like it kind of being like so it's such a corrupt thing that it even influences our language of how we talk about people in this world. Like that's it had that had no effect on me. I was like, this is stupid. This doesn't even seem that bad after he was like raping people left and right and like all the stuff that we've seen in wow. Game of Thrones. Like Dude. I, I agree with you and it's fucked up, but I agree with you because we, again, we went from the, the whorehouse and they're like, oh, he doesn't go there anymore. He goes here. And then they threw oh, the kids that? in the ring. And I, I thought they were going to do some like weird sex thing with the little mm-hmm. kids. Um, and, and then they started fighting and I'm like, oh, okay, good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, child oh, death. Oh, Seriously, that, but this show is fucked up. That's crazy. No. I mean, well, think about it. We we're talking about Light of the Seven earlier. Like literally one of the maesters had those kids stab yeah. the shit out of one of the other maesters like you know what I mean like there's just there's things yeah. that have happened way worse to kids and by kids like throughout so like fighting and it didn't even look like they were fighting to the death because they just have fangs and like things they they weren't giving them swords and stuff like a cockfighting ring like it just wasn't like it just did so not rude. seem that bad and like so worthy of the white worm revealing herself revealing Aegon and like trusting this guy like it's just whatever I, I do think my, my favorite part of this episode was when they first cut to that scene of the children all fighting kate yells at the tv yo it is seven in the morning <laughs> i'm like yo that's true oh, yeah because it was like the morning what? 7 a.m i'm like <laughs> like the king had just died they just found out they're trying to find Aegon. it was like 8 a.m and there's yeah, like, like the sun this, was coming up and it's that was like the tailgate party like the opening act of like the (laughs) i think it was the party from the night before maybe that's where everyone ends after that's what i was trying to figure out i got my mind thing i'm like so yeah is this the end of the are these people like wake up at 5 a.m just to get this going like someone gets there at 4 a.m to help set everything up like how does this ring operate the clothes yeah, the club's close at six. The child fighting ring opens at seven. You got the coordination over. at eight. You can make yeah, it's it all the, work. The Dreyas of child fighting <laughs> things in Flea Bottom. <laughs> uh, well, what else do we have? Uh, any other notes? Any other things you want to talk about from this episode specifically that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, I only oh. have one more thing, though. We've talked more than we should have about the white worm, but she did have my favorite line of the episode. The uh, there is no power, but what the people allow you to take. I thought that was a badass line. So shout out to, to the only thing she said all season that I was like, yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, you have people that are very delusional in the show and then you have people that are self-aware. And I think that someone like her and someone like Rainey's with what she said in this too, are people that are more self-aware of the way things actually are. So. That's a good point, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, all right. Well, I'm sorry, just one more thing. I said no, but then I like. Um, <laughs> I will say, seeing Renice's dragon come through literally however many blocks and however many tons of cement just makes it so much more hurts my heart makes me mad all over again about the dragons dying in game of thrones from like an arrow like please it just i just had to say my piece with there because they literally came through tons of cement unscathed whatever it looked like he just went through a piece of paper like Dragons are so strong. But that was a specially designed like arrow. By to pierce, the- it's like, yeah, to launch it and pierce, it's like <laughs> weakness or whatever. 
Yeah, like, you know, smog, uh, you know, you have to get him where this he doesn't have scales below. We're not talking back. about Lord of the Rings right now, Brown. <laughs> We're in Game of Thrones, House of Dragon. Kelsey, speaking of that, though, I, I think we need to prepare ourselves for some dragon injuries, some dragon deaths next week. Uh, you know I'm, what? I, I think you're right. And I, I'm very scared. Yeah, yeah. I guess the one thing that I will say, like, obviously it's very sad anytime a dragon or a dire wolf or an animal dies in, in especially in this, but I haven't really grown close to any of these dragons. Like you do with, um, with Daenerys's dragons and like the dire wolves and stuff that you see. So, I mean, true. I think it's still going to be sad, but not like crying on the way into work. Sad for me. <laughs> yeah. They might be gruesome though. That's the only thing. It might be gruesome oh, and yeah. like dragons forced to fight each other like that's what's going to be so tough sad. but right. in this one when, when we were watching it and we know like this episode i thought was great and very suspenseful and and very tense but there wasn't that moment that you're accustomed to seeing in an episode nine of a game of thrones series or season um and so you know the last five minutes or so we're watching and we're just like oh man i guess i guess we were wrong no, nothing crazy is going to really happen here and like on cue she busts through the thing and at first i didn't know what was happening i thought maybe like a bomb was going off or something like a wildfire type thing because you just see the rocks fly and people getting crushed and like people screaming and then you see the dragon and obviously but i'm like oh that was wrong <laughs> dead wrong <laughs> yeah. like i mean not to open up this rabbit hole for everyone to go like i feel the opposite of most of you like I, i've been seeing that a lot of like oh i thought this was you know gonna be like a letdown nothing happened. like to me like still nothing big happened like everyone's making it like something wild happened in no. the ep episode i'm like all she really did was escape with her dragon like i thought like everyone in that place was gonna get killed or something where it's like oh shit i i think i just set my expectations too high and again that's how like they know how to mess with you they know we're thinking oh this is episode nine something nuts is gonna happen like the way they're doing the music so it almost set my expectations too high where i was like oh so all that really came of all of that was she left with her dragon. Yeah, yeah I have a I feeling mean, though. But... I was gonna say I have a feeling that the the vast majority of people online on social media and stuff like that are going to side more and agree more with what you just said, though, of thinking of it not necessarily as a disappointment, but as being maybe a little bit more built up than what we actually got. Yeah, and I think it's gonna most likely where the impact of that is going to be obviously in the next one and giving. The blacks, um, I guess that's what they, the greens and the blacks, like, you know, time to prepare. And like, instead of hearing this news weeks, if not months later, or like once already being attacked and being surprised attacked um, by, you know, the greens, like it's going to give them time to prepare and be able to get their forces up. Um, so I think that's where the impact is. But I 100% agree, Brad. I, I mean, yeah, it was badass and it was cool, but it wasn't, it didn't live up to like all the hype and, and everything that I thought was, was going to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the, another thing too, is finally the dreamy girls, um, thing of like the beast beneath the boards. And I didn't even, thing. I did not even put that together until you just said it. I, that's the only thing that I could think of, but even then too, it's like, girl, you need to fine tune your stuff. Cause you almost got got too. So yeah. <laughs> fine tune your little dreams and realize what's happening. I mean, unless that's that true. I mean, who knows? Maybe that wasn't the thing that she was predicting. No, I mean, but I think that's great. What you just said, I, I would have gone this whole episode without thinking. We still don't know what she was talking about. No, I think you're, I think you're dead on. No way you agree with me. Good work. 
proud of you. <laughs> I knew you could do it. But I had to make of, up for my foot stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's making up for it. Um, speaking of bug girl, though, <laughs> early in the episode, she's talking to her mom, to Allison, and she says it again. She says the prophecy again, beware the beast beneath the boards. But as she's doing it, did you notice what she what she was doing when she said that? No, I was trying to look. Okay. She, she was sewing. Okay, that's what I guess girls do there. That's, they just sit and sew. But she was sewing like a spite, like bugs. Was it a caterpillar? Images of yeah. bugs into a thing. I'm like, bro, God, what is wrong with you, you weirdo? Like, I, bugs Aegon, are very important, Noah. Dude. Bug girl. Is there going like, to be like a payoff to all her obsession with bugs? Does she end up like taking over the kingdom maybe with bugs? Like we were all like making jokes, but then in the end, she's like, you forget bugs exist all around us. And then the bugs just overtake everything. Like I what don't is, see paying off. You know how they say that everyone had a dragon except for almond. What if her dragon is actually like a giant like a moth or something like yeah, that. Yeah, butterfly or something. Like a giant caterpillar with wings. Like a, a, a cicada. <laughs> it just buzzes and it's like everyone is like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that is funny. But speaking of the finale and predictions and whether that's a real one or a, a fake prediction, what do you guys think? I mean, I, um, you know, the, the way the books are written, and, and I've said to start this podcast numerous times, we have not read Fire and Blood. We do not know how... Uh, this story is going to end, but I have read the Game of Thrones books, and it was kind of interesting how they did books four and five by they, I mean, George R. R. Martin did books four and five, A Feast of Crows and A Dance with Dragons. And basically what he did is told a story and split the characters in half and half of the characters tell their stories in the timeline in, in book four. And book five picks up at the start of that timeline, at the start of basically book four, two, and tells the story of the other characters. So I was wondering if they were going to do that with these two episodes where you have the green side uh, in this episode and we didn't see any of the black side. And then the next episode would be just the black side. And maybe it ends with Rhaenys getting there uh, and then warning them, or maybe it's not, maybe she gets there and warns them and it's about the fallout from that. But that was a thought that kind of went through my head as we saw how it was kind of divvied up in this episode. What else, Brad? Do you have any predictions um, of things you're looking forward to seeing or that we might see or whatever? One thing that caught my eye, wow, this is, I, I did not do this intentionally, but one thing that caught my eye was in the preview for next week, you do see Amund. So I don't oh. know if that means there'll be a one scene. It does obviously okay. seem like it's going to be, heavily you know black team focus like for sure but i'm wondering i'm like yo does he end up with them or is it just going to be a random scene like it was just literally a shot of him like turning and looking at the camera but it just caught me off guard that he would be even be hmm. in next, next week's episode yeah so I'm like, maybe they'll do one green team scene that he happens to be in or like i'm like does he make his way over there and like you know it's like hey i'm with you guys like nothing would survive me you know he has as much against his brother as you know, most of the other characters, it appears. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him switch allegiances. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I think it would be cool to have an episode like that, but think about it. Like, they don't even need, know that King Viserys is dead, which, first of all, it's weird that Rhaenyra left, like, when he literally was, like, a shrivel. But, like, they don't know that he's dead yet, and they're just doing the stuff. Why did they go back in the first place? They were just going to go drop some, drop the kids off and then come back because their kids well, were she was, or whatever. She was going to do that, but then with when the fighting happened, I, I don't know. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I just don't know if that much would be happening without knowing that Viserys was dead. Um, but that would be cool to see. But I mean, for next week, if it's the big fight, I, I mean, I can't wait to see Almond and Damon, Daddy Damon. I'm really looking forward to that and and truly seeing, I think this is going to be a great opportunity to see where the lines are truly drawn um, and see if there is still any gray left between characters and between families and houses. Because obviously when you're battling with dragons, if you don't pick the right side or if you, you can't be like tiptoeing around what side you're on or you're, you're going to end up like the crab feeder. Hmm. Yeah. And we know that the black team has the numbers of dragons, but the green team has the biggest and the strongest. So it kind of is a little even there. What about you, Kate? Um, Well, the name of the episode, I believe is the black queen. It is. So that gives me some hope that Rhaenyra maybe comes out on top but I have no idea honestly I don't know if they would make such like a nice pretty ending like that doesn't seem possible either um I was very excited about the previews and watching Damon sing to the dragon in High Valyrian very excited for that scene okay oh, I'm not gonna talk about it <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see like I did see like not like a spoiler per se but something that like don't you dare I won't. Don't worry. I won't. We don't do those kind of spoilers on here. Um, but Kate, that is a great point. I cannot wait for that. Daddy Damon, which I have to say, he signed something at like a Comic Con or something as Daddy Damon. And Shut I, up. <laughs> who did Matt Smith? Yeah. So like he signed Matt Smith, but then it said like Daddy Damon XX, ah. and I was like, I would be a puddle in that Comic Con if that was me. Oh my gosh, I love him. All right. Well, uh, this was probably the most eventful of these podcasts thus far. We appreciate you all for sticking <laughs> with us. But uh, hopefully we don't get booted off of YouTube and podcasting platforms for it. But that is going to do it for another episode of the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. We will be back next week again to recap the finale i can't believe it's very depressing that we're already 10 episodes in and we have to wait another two years almost to get season two so very sad but we'll be here talking about it recapping it if you want to relive the moments from previous episodes please feel free to do that and uh, make sure to subscribe so you can be notified when all of our content drops thank you all for listening thank you all for watching and to all of our subscribers in japan sayonara Thank you for listening to another episode of the Geek and You Shall Find podcast, powered by Superhero Faces. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Superhero Faces, and on Instagram at Superhero underscore Faces. 